0: A few weeks ago, um, I had the privilege of speaking at a church service in Sligo, in the west of Ireland. Um, uh, and it was about 100 people uh, meeting in a primary school on a Sunday morning. Um, a guy called Damien, who's from Sligo, was leading us that morning in worship. And as we began, Damien drew our attention to one line in one of the songs we were going to be singing that morning. Uh, and the line was this one, which is on the screen. The king, is in the room Uh, and I was really moved by it that morning in Sligo and it's kind of stayed with me ever since Um, and it's at the heart of what I want to share with you this evening. The king is in the room. Um, I wonder, have you ever noticed that the theme of Jesus being the king is woven all through the Christmas story? If you look out for it, um, it's, it's woven all through. story let me give you a few examples um in the famous reading from isaiah 9 which liz read for us earlier on it says the child who's going to be born will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom so the child who's going to be born will be a king and his kingdom will never end when the angel appears to mary uh, he says she's going to give birth to a son and says the lord god will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign forever and his kingdom will never end. So that same theme of an eternal everlasting kingdom is there in that scene as well. And when the angels appear to the shepherds, they talk about good news of great joy for all the people. Uh, And What is the great news of great joy for all the people? It is today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. In other words, he is the the long expected king. And if we'd read, we didn't read it tonight, but if we'd read the story of the Magi or the wise men in Matthew 2, these strange stargazers from the east arrive in Jerusalem. And what's the question that they ask? They say, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star and have come to worship him. Uh, And, of course, if you know that story, you know King Herod took that very seriously. And he got his own scholars to study the scriptures to find out where the Messiah would be born. And they found the passage in Micah, uh, which was read to us earlier on, which spoke of Bethlehem and says, out of you, out of Bethlehem, will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod is so threatened by that promise that he goes on a murderous rampage um, in in Bethlehem. So that theme of kingship, uh, Jesus being king um, is all through the story. And you find this really strange contrast because when the shepherds do rush to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened and to see this king, what they find is a scene that is spectacularly ordinary. They find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding cloth. In fact, it's not even just ordinary. It's a scene of real poverty. And it doesn't look like the arrival of a king at all. And yet the story says again and again, for those of ears to hear it, the child in the feeding trough is the king. The king is in the room. Maybe the king is in the stable. Um, one of my favourite Christmas Songs um, says this, It's it's not a very well known one, but it says, we thought you'd come with a crown of gold, a string of pearls, a cashmere robe. We thought you'd clench an iron fist and rain like fire on the politics. But without a sword, no armored guard, but common born in mother's arms, the government now rests upon the shoulders of this baby son. Um, The strange thing is there's one other moment in the gospel story um, where the language of kingship becomes really important. The language of kingship is clustered around the birth of Jesus, but it's also clustered around the death of Jesus. Um, It's another strange and unlikely moment to talk about kingship as Jesus is taken and brutally killed by the political rulers and in that moment there's lots of talk about kingship he talks to Pilate about his kingship and the soldiers mock his kingship with a crown of thorns and a purple robe and as he dies the sign above his head says this is the king of the jews the claim being made is the king is on the cross dying in darkness And so it seems like if you want to understand the kingship of Jesus, you have to look at these two strange moments, the child in the feeding trough, the man on the cross. I find myself wondering, um, how should we feel about this, you and I, uh, about the child in the feeding trough, who's also somehow the king of creation, the king of the cosmos? How should we feel about that? Um, And I want to suggest... Um, Two things, perhaps, that we should feel. Firstly, and this one may surprise you a little bit, but firstly, we should feel afraid, like Herod. Uh, Maybe that surprises you. Um, But Herod was right in what he suspected, that this baby king is a threat to every other king. If Jesus is king, then Herod is not or at least Herod's power is um, majorly brought into question. And the same goes for every ruler and authority today, every king, every president, every prime minister, every CEO. Um, If Jesus is king, then all of their power and authority is under question. Uh, You may know the story that when Jesus was still in the womb, um, Mary, his mother, sang a song in which she sang he brings down rulers from their thrones. And so the herods of this world are right to tremble, but not just the herods of this world, not just the kings and presidents. Because if Jesus is king, then I'm not. If Jesus is king, then you're not. Um, and Maybe you're thinking, well, John Mark, I don't really want to rule the world. Um, But actually, every single one of us, um, if we're being honest, we want to be ruler ruler over our own little empire. We want to be captain of our own ship. We want to call the shots with no one else to tell me what to do, with no one else to tell me um, who to be. And so Herod is right. The baby in the manger is a threat to us all. If he is the Lord of life, and king of creation, then he is the rightful and only ruler of my life. He made me and I owe him everything. I owe him my love, my life, my allegiance. Um, And so again, the Magi, the wise men show us, I think, the right way to respond. When they see the child with his mother, what do they do? They bow down and worship and then they bring out these strange costly gifts that they give to him whenever we recognize jesus as king this is the only response to step off the throne of our own lives and to bow down and worship and then to lay down our hearts and our lives and everything and so i wonder can you see herod is not wrong the the child is a threat to the status quo, to the way things have always been. He's a threat to ordinary, selfish human life, just doing what pleases me. He's a threat to life with me at the center, me on the throne. If the king has come among us, if the king is in the room, then this changes everything. This turns everything upside down. So that's the first thing. Um, We should feel in that sense afraid uh, of what change this might bring, and the threat to our own little empire. Um, but secondly, I want to suggest that we should also be deeply comforted and glad. These are, after all, as we've already been singing, tidings of comfort and joy. This is, as the angel said, good news of great joy for all the people. Um, why is it a message of comfort and of joy? because this is a king like no other this is a king you can trust with your heart and with your life Um, i've been reflecting kind of on this theme uh, the last week or or two Um, and what's really been on my heart to say is this is that this is a message that i think we especially need at this moment in time in our world and our culture because i What I sense in the air is that this is a time of great disappointment in leaders, where in our world and our culture, there's kind of been a loss of confidence in authority of all kinds, a kind of disillusionment with heroes and role models. Um, I wonder, do you feel it in the air as well? People have lost confidence in politicians. Where do you find one who really cares about the good of the people? rather than their own interests or their own career. Um, People have lost confidence in leaders in science and technology. We used to think those things would kind of solve all our problems and create a utopia and bring us together. But I think now we're not so sure. Our social media is making us anxious and our, our technology is killing the planet and AI is kind of scaring us everywhere we look. And we're not so sure that those things are gonna save us either. And I also think people have become weary of movements designed to change the world. We wonder, how come these movements start off with such good intentions, uh, with good heart and good cause, but end up stirring up more division and more anger and more contempt? People have also lost confidence in their heroes. I think the people whose pictures we used to put on our walls So many film stars and music stars and sports stars have fallen into scandal and disgrace. And it sometimes feels like one murky, mucky story after another. And if we're being really honest, people have also lost confidence in churches and their leaders because the scandals and the murky stories have happened inside the church as well. Sexual scandals and financial scandals And abuses of power and control and we're kind of left wondering where is there left to look to find someone to look up to and admire and follow where is there a leader we can trust and I guess the thing the thing that I want to say to you tonight with all simplicity um, is this look to the child in the manger look to the man on the cross because here is a king you can trust with your heart and trust with your life and trust with your death. Um, how do we know we can trust them? Because there's never been a king like this. In our world, people kind of jostle for position and people use their power and position to further their own career or their own interests or to feather their own nests and often use and abuse and misuse their influence in all kinds of ways. Um, Jesus said, the rulers of this world lord it over people. Um, Does every leader do that all the time? Of course not. But always in human leadership, um, there are elements of ego and pride and selfishness and self-interest which get mixed in even with the good intentions. But this king that we've been talking about tonight and singing about, tonight. This king laid aside his majesty and gave up everything for us. He had more power and a higher position than any king has ever had. But as in the words of Wesley read to us just a little while ago, he did not hold on to that position of power. He didn't consider it something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing. And he emptied himself and he took on the form of a servant and he made himself vulnerable and he humbled himself and he became obedient to death and even the most shameful death on a cross. Um, In the very last book of the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation, um, there's a vision where John, John looks and he sees the throne in heaven, the place from which God exercises his rule and reign you would kind of think of it as the control center at the heart of the universe, the throne in heaven. And what does John see as he looks at the throne in heaven? He he says, I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. Um, Later on, John sees a crowd of people who have suffered deeply in their life on earth. And John hears a voice saying this, the lamb At the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I wonder do you hear why that message is deeply and profoundly comforting, that on the throne at the center of the universe is the one who has suffered with us and suffered for us, the Lamb in the end, becomes the shepherd king. There's never been a king like this. And so as I finish, I want to come back to that phrase, the king is in the room. I really believe that's true tonight in this place. The king is in the room. I guess I want to gently encourage you um, to think about these questions. How will you respond to him this evening? Will you give up the throne of your own life? Will you bow the knee and give him your allegiance? Will you trust him with your heart and your life? Will you follow him wherever he leads? Those are dangerous questions. They're threatening questions. But the thing that I want to say um, from the bottom of my heart is as you look at the child in the manger and the man on the cross and the lamb on the throne, this is the only king You can trust completely, without hesitation, without reserve. He has unimaginable power at his disposal. But he will not use that power to lord it over you. He will not abuse that power or misuse it. He will not manipulate you or deceive you. He will not disappoint you. He will not break your trust. He will not break your heart. He will not let you down. And if I can borrow uh, some words from Mumford and Sons, um, his love, it will not betray you, dismay or enslave you. It will set you free to be more like the man you were made to be, to be more like the woman you were made to be. I'd love to... Um, just take a moment and pray. Um, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to sing what is my favourite Christmas carol. Um, and I think the big reason why it's my favourite is as a preacher, um, the final verse of this carol, if you sing the final verse of this carol from your heart and mean it, it changes everything. right? And so maybe tonight uh, you could sing that final verse from your heart uh, maybe for the first time um, and it changes everything. Uh, but I'd love to just Allow just a little moment of quiet, um, and then I'm going I'm to pray, and then we'll sing our final carol. Father, we, um, we confess this evening that when we've tried to do things our own way and tried to live as Lord and Master of our own lives, It hasn't led us into freedom and joy, but it leads us into an ever-diminishing life that becomes smaller and smaller where we get trapped in our own selfish desires. Father, we also confess that when we look around at our world, we find it really hard to find heroes and leaders and role models we can trust and follow with all our hearts we feel disappointed and let down by many leaders Um, and so we're aware of our own failures and frailty and the failures and frailty of others as well father i want to pray would you help us to lift our eyes and look to the child in the manger and the man on the cross, and the lamb on the throne. I want to thank you that here is a king, we can trust with all our heart, that we can lean the entire weight of our existence on him, and he will not let us down. And so, Father, I want to pray, would you help us to do that tonight? And maybe for some of us, would you help us, even in this moment of quiet, or even as we sing the next song, maybe for the first time, um, to bow the knee to Jesus as King, to invite him to come and take the throne of our lives and then to spend the rest of our lives following after him. Um, Father, I want to thank you that the King is in the room. And I, I, I want to pray a prayer for all of, everyone here this evening as we go into this Christmas season. Um, I want to pray that in the really happy moments over Christmas and New Year, um, we would remember that the King is in the room, that we would recognize you in the joy and celebration of those good moments. Um, Father, I also want to pray if there are hard moments over Christmas, moments that are lonely or sad, I want to pray especially in those moments. each of us would know that the king is in the room and that he is here to forgive and to save and to rescue and to bring us into life and to bring us into joy Um, father would you come and meet us jesus would you come and meet us in a new way in this christmas season and be the one who lifts up our hearts and we pray in the name of jesus our king amen